Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my sports in one app, like the National Women's Soccer League, included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report Sports add-on or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. Prime Video. It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. It is getting that time of the year. It's Miller time. You don't need a watch or a clock to tell you. It's Miller time. Weather gets a little bit warmer. All of a sudden, the beer gets a little colder. It's beer cracking season. It, it Whoa, okay. I don't know if it says that on the calendar. Uh, Miller Lite, great taste, less filling, tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Patrick, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. And as always, please celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer. Miller Lite. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. He's the ESPN NBA analyst, J.J. Redick, joining us on the program. Good to see you again. What impact did last night's game with Denver and Philadelphia have on your vote for MVP? It actually didn't have any impact, and that's unfortunate because I really felt like had Joel Embiid and played, it would have, it would have given a little more clarity to the situation. Look, Joel has... I think two more chances to really put his stamp on the MVP. Philly has a game against Boston and another game against Giannis and Milwaukee. So he still has two opportunities to, I think, sway some people here. But as of right now, I look, it's, it's a deadlock between those three guys for me. Yeah, I'm just disappointed as a basketball fan because this is what you want. And I know that it's, you know, there, there's probably load management here. But, you know, this is what the NBA has given us, J.J. Like, we, we know that these things happen. I don't know how serious this injury is. I don't know how much it mattered that he was going to have this game in Denver after he smoked, you know, the Joker in Philadelphia. But as a fan, you know, it's hard to have appointment viewing anymore during the regular season. That's fair. I, I will say this. I, I know Joel very well. I played with him for two seasons. We're, we're uh, very close friends. And, and I know how much... This matters to him, this particular word. It does. And if he could have played last night, he would have played. I, I, I believe that. I do feel for the fans. I, I feel for anybody who uh, is a, a, a fervent supporter and viewer of the NBA that we don't always get to see the matchups that we want to see on a nightly basis because of some, somewhat because of load management, but also, look, injuries are up. The game is played in a different way. I mean, we look, Dan, we have this uh, second spectrum tracking data. Cameras in every arena, right? We've had that for 10 years. We've got 10 years of data. And over the course of time, in those 10 years, essentially the court has gotten 
bigger. That's 20% more area that a player has to cover. The pace is up significantly. So you're doing more on a basketball court. You're covering more space. You're doing it faster. Transition is up. Uh, you know, the, the three pointers are up, which means you have to guard further out. And, and so I think it, it, some of it is load management and some of it is legitimate injuries. Yeah. Well, and look, Embiid is just getting the brunt of it because it's right now. He's a wonderful player, and you can give him the MVP. I just, there's value in showing up, and he's missed, what, 14 games this year? I don't know how much that impacts the voters here, but it was just more of a fan. I was disappointed that I didn't get to see it because I want Embiid, I want him to earn it. I want him to win it. I don't want him to back in where we go, eh, you know, he missed like 17 games and uh, Joker's team's best record in the way, like all of those things. Because I voted before and got criticized because I voted Jordan every year. And then people say, what about the year Barkley had or Carl Malone? I go, yeah, but Mike's going to win the championship. So I, I valued guys who were going to play and I knew they were going to win. Whether that was fair or not, in my mind, how do I equate what is value to you? What is value to me? I think it's very subjective, yeah. and I do think the criteria does change year to year. Um, people talk about narrative in sports all the time. N narratives are actually based in fact. Narrative is simply storytelling. That's all it is. And, and so I think the narrative of what the MVP means in a particular season is different in prior seasons. And I don't think we can look at historical precedences when voting on this year's MVP or next year's MVP, we have to ask ourselves, who was the most valuable player this season? And it's very clear it's three guys. You bring up the point about games missed. Look, Giannis sat out last night. Yeah. That was his 16th game missed. Yep. There's been one player in NBA history who has missed 15 or more games in one MVP. That was Bill Walton who missed 24 games in 1978. Here's the other thing about Giannis. His personal win percentage, when on the court this year, is 74.6. There's been seven times in NBA history where a guy's averaged 30 a game and had a personal win percentage of 75% or better. Six of those times, the guy won the MVP. So how do we talk about these games missed in the modern era, in, this, in today's NBA? It's unrealistic to expect any player, I'm sorry, any player, any player, much less an MVP, to play 80, 81, 82 games. It's not going to happen. This is the new norm. Unless the schedule changes, unless we reduce the games, this is what's going to happen. And so we kind of have to look at it through that lens, I think. And look, Jokic, uh, he, to me, he's been the front runner. There was a two-week stretch there where Denver was awful. Yeah. And Joel made this incredible push in March. Ten straight games of 30 or more shooting uh, 50 or more 50% or better from the field. Like, it's a three-man race. They're all deserving. And to me, I, I found out over the weekend I'm going to have a vote. It's going to come down to the last few days of the regular season. I'm, I'm looking at Giannis's personal win percentage. I'm looking at how many games he misses, how many games Joel misses. I'm looking at Denver's record. That stuff matters. We're talking to J.J. Redick, ESPN NBA analyst. I, I think there's voter fatigue. I think that happens. I think that that. I think it happened with Jordan. I think they were looking for a new story. Whether it's fair or not, Barkley win it, Malone winning, and they were great those years. I think there's voter fatigue with Jokic. I, I really believe they're going, do we want to put him in there with Bird, Wilt, and Bill Russell? 
And do we factor in what he doesn't do in the playoffs, JJ? Well, look, I'll push back on that a little bit, Dan. Okay. It's not what Jokic doesn't do. It's clearly not what Jokic doesn't do. I mean, this is a guy who, over the course of his playoff career, has averaged 25, 10, and 6. Last year against Golden State, a top-two defense, he averaged 31, 13, and 6 on 57% shooting from the field. It's not what he does in the playoffs. Let's just acknowledge Jokic has yet to have an all-star teammate. And certainly he has talented teammates. Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon's having a fantastic season. But some of this is on his teammates. Like that, that's that's the nature of our sport. Yeah. And and so he's simultaneously making his teammates better. There's a number of ways we can measure that. There's a number of ways we can measure that. He's making them better, but what's their ceiling? Does he have a real Robin? Right? I would make an argument, by the way, that you also need a bunch of Alfreds, too. You need the butlers. You need the butlers to do the dirty work. Well, I think we <laughs> I want to say one. I, I want to say one other thing to your, your point, Dan. Look, uh, revisionist history. We are more informed as voters in 2023 than we've ever been. We have every single metric in front of us. Um, I think you go back and you re-vote on a number of years and in, 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 and you would change your vote. Like that's just we we have more information. It's to me, it actually is less about storytelling, and it's a it's it's going back to that basic question: who is the most valuable player? Jordan should probably have more MVPs. LeBron should have more MVPs. Shaq should have more MVPs. Yeah, but I go back to Russell Westbrook. We got enamored with the triple double. What was he on a sixth place team? Like that doesn't happen. But because we had something convenient of a triple double, that hasn't has happened since Oscar. Oh, my God. And I thought, as much as I love watching Russ, how valuable was he? Well, so I think there's two things to look at there, Dan. Uh, number one, keep in mind, uh, this was right after Kevin Durant left Oklahoma City. And so the Warriors were the best team in basketball for three straight seasons up until when Clay and Kevin got hurt. I don't know that you can give an MVP to that team. So to someone on that team, given how stacked they were. It, look, I was in the NBA. I, I was competing against them, both with the Clippers and the Philadelphia 76ers, trying to win a championship. That was an uphill climb for anyone. With Russ, win shares per 48. It's a very simple metric, right? It's the, it's the stat that's most closely associated with MVP. And, and Russ... Measured out very well that year. I think he was top five that year, or top three. I know he didn't lead the league. He led the league in, in value over replacement player. Like, there's an advanced stat. Like, okay. th sometimes these things line up. But if Durant so, doesn't go, JJ, if he's already with Golden State, like, do we look at Golden State only because Durant left Oklahoma City to go there as opposed to if he had already been on Golden State and been a teammate there? Would we have viewed that differently? Because it feels like, oh, my God, he jo joined them and they're already great. Pers personally, no. Personally, no. I, I, I think you go back and you look at the context of the roster that Oklahoma City had. The, the, they had 48 wins, that 48 and 34. You look at what Russ did from the field. Uh, you know, his shot creation that year, he led the league in assist percent. Like, he did a number of things, besides just the rebounding and the triple-double. Like, it's such an arbitrary, like, oh, yeah, measuring stick, right? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like with Jokic this year. 
Like who fucking? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> who cares? Who cares? Sorry, I'm getting heated. Who cares if he averages? You're a not on your like, podcast. We, we shouldn't. I know. We shouldn't give him a triple double. We shouldn't give him the MVP if he averages a triple double, and we shouldn't not give him the MVP if he doesn't average a triple. It's, yeah, exactly. It's, I, Russ was awesome that year. He was a deserving MVP. Uh, I know that it's uh, contractually required by the FDA that I ask you something about the Lakers, right? I uh, hey, I worked at the mothership for eighteen years. I know how this. Yeah. I know how this goes. Um, how threatening are they when healthy? I think they're a real threat in the West to win the and West. The West the, I was just having this conversation before I jumped on your show with someone that works here at ESPN. You could legitimately talk me into seven teams. <laughs> that's how that's how crazy the West is. And and I think there's teams that are better than other teams. But as you know, Dan, the playoffs a lot of times do come down to matchups. And I I, I think there's six teams I could make a strong argument for that could potentially win the West, depending on how these matchups play out. And I'd put the Lakers as the seventh team that could potentially win the West. When fully healthy, Anthony Davis fully engaged on both ends of the floor. LeBron being LeBron, their roster got significantly better post-All-Star break. They have shooting. They have more depth. Jared Vanderbilt has made a big difference on the defensive end. They're a more complete team where for all of last season and for the better part of this season going up until the trade deadline, they were not a it was not a competent roster. It was not a roster where the pieces fit. And now you see how those pieces could fit. And obviously, we haven't seen a ton of LeBron with that roster post-deadline. But I could make an argument that they have a, they have a chance to win the West. And and to me, being able to talk about the Lakers in a good way is it's a positive thing. I've spent the last two seasons <laughs> since I retired just absolutely murdering them. Okay, what happens when you go into the rundown meeting? And you know that it's going to be brought up. Like, we got to get LeBron in the show or get the Lakers in the show, right? I've accepted it. (laughs) (laughs) It used to be, when I was there, it was about the Red Sox and the Yankees, or we had to get Duke, North Carolina into the conversation. So... I uh, who else? Ter- uh, Terrell Owens was all. You know, there were certain yeah. guys, certain teams that uh, Brett Favre. You had to get him into the rundown every show. It's like, how do we well, do? Well, look, this? I, look, I, I, I uh, I'm jumping on first take here in in a few minutes. Yeah. Um, to to talk some NBA, <laughs> but I will tell you, you know, as someone who watches the show when I'm not on, and as someone who comes in twice a week to do the show, um, I think there personally, I think there's some sort of conspiracy going on with. Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers, because that's all we talk about. Okay, right that's I know. all we talk about. I know. It's got to get the clicks, man. We got to get the clicks. I know. If I, I have this idea, what if we did a retired guys shooting contest at the All Star Game, where mm-hmm. you, let's say you and Ray Allen, some of these other guys, Reggie Miller, they got picked, so a current player and a retired player team up for. Yeah. A three-point shooting contest. Dan, that is one of the greatest ideas I've heard. We need to pitch this. Are you in? We need to. We need to. Yeah, I'll do it. I don't really shoot any. I can't. I can't really play anymore. Uh, I'll. Sh- I'm coaching my oldest son, so when I'm in the gym with him and his team, I'll, I'll shoot around a little bit. I would need a few weeks to get my reps right. Ray is the guy. I swear. I swear. I think Ray like he could play out now. Shoots five five hundred shots a day. He could play. Yeah, he could still play yeah. now. And Reggie, yeah. 
you know, you guys don't have to move around, and or yeah. you could alternate racks. It would be throw, throw Larry Bird in there. I mean, come on. <laughs> Who is, even at sixty-five, I'm I'm sure he still has a burner. So you you that that would be a burner. Is that what you said? Yeah, like a heater. Oh, you know, okay. Just like a okay. yeah, he's got a flamethrower. You know. Do you do you have a Larry Bird story? Uh, I personally no. I I I met him one time. It was uh, I think it was my senior year. Um, okay. At, at Indianapolis Final Four, uh, Adam Morrison and I co-shared one of the National Player of the Year awards, and him and Oscar were at the ceremony, which was a very cool moment for me. And what about Jordan? Do you have a Jordan story? I, I mean, I, I played against Michael like in pickup when I was in college. We did the uh, Santa Bar UC Santa Barbara Jordan camp, um, played pickup against him. You know, it was it was a blur. I mean, Jordan for anybody that grew up in the '90s is is the goat. You know, it's it, he's the guy. He's an icon. He's the guy that made us fall in love with love with basketball and made us fall in love with the NBA. Um, so yeah, I mean, I Jordan's never like talked trash to me about the Duke UNC thing. Or it's mostly really? it's other UNC. It's other UNC guys. Yeah, it's other UNC guys. I get a text every. I get a text every year, <laughs> every year, like clockwork from Harrison Barnes. <laughs> How much are we putting on the game tonight? <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you. Get we always pay our debts. We always pay our debts. I'll let you get ready for first take, and uh, you get to talk about Aaron Rodgers and uh, Lamar Jackson. Oh, I, I'll be talking about Joel Embiid. I'm sure. Oh, you All will. Right, thank you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Th hey, thank you, Dan. Good to talk to you again. That's uh, JJ Redick, one of our favorites, and uh, ESPN NBA analyst, joining us on uh, behalf of DraftKings. Bet five dollars to win one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets at DraftKings.com. New customers, don't wait. Throw down at least five on any pregame money line for a chance to win $150 in bonus bets. DraftKings.com. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You can trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat. There was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too? It's funny about a battleship. It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find that's not just a household item. Wow, you know I mean? thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you could also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a robot Pachenko machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports, like a lot. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my live sports and docs in one app, like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey, and the National Women's Soccer League, both included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report sports add-on. 
or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. All in one app with one password. Prime Video. It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. It is getting that time of the year. It's Miller time. You don't need a watch or a clock to tell you. It's Miller time. Weather gets a little bit warmer. All of a sudden, the beer gets a little colder. It's beer cracking season. It, it, whoa, okay. I don't know if it says that on the calendar. It's a beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters the most. It's a light beer that tastes like beer. That's why I reach for a Miller Lite. And it's less filling. Only 96 calories. They've been doing this since 1975. They have perfected it. You know, that summer afternoon, we're coming into that time of the year, be like, oh, man. Crack one? Yes, or two. Don't look at your watch. Don't look at the clock. Don't look at the calendar. You know. Miller Lite, the great taste, less filling, tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Patrick, or you can pretty much find it anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces, Fewer calories, fewer carbs than premium regular beer. Miller Lite. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Waiting for our good buddy Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter. He is the Monday morning quarterback. He'll join us here in a moment. Update the poll results there for hour two. And then I want to bring back the poll question for hour one for Albert Breer. Dan, more entertaining the NCAA tournament this year, men's or women's. Right now, 75% of the vote is with uh, the men's tournament. And then we had the timing of Lamar Jackson's tweet was perfectly executed or a coincidence. Okay. That's at 83% perfectly executed. All right. Let me bring in Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter. He is the Monday morning quarterback who joins us from the uh, owners' meetings there. Albert, thanks for joining us. Let me ask you the poll question. Do you think this was calculated by Lamar Jackson to release that tweet, or it was accidental, coincidental? No. I mean, I think here's – here's my theory on it, Dan. Um, you know, Lamar's had to hear for six, seven weeks how, you know, he's stumbling around and doesn't know what he's doing and needs to hire an agent. He's, you know, blowing all his money and this opportunity and everything else, right? So if you're him, a former MVP, and you have to hear that for over and over and over again – do something bold and calculated and cunning. And I, I just the scene for you yesterday at about 7.45 local time, John Harbaugh sits down. That tweet went out like, I mean, 90 seconds after John Harbaugh took his seat. With Albert, him. hold on for a and second. So, your uh, your, your uh, connection is a little spotty here. So we'll see if we can reconnect there. Yeah, Paulie. Kind of like the theory he was going with. He, I know. You know Albert, always, Albert always goes two levels deep, three <laughs> levels deep in these stories. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. And I would love for it to have been calculated with Lamar Jackson, but I don't think it was. I think it was just one of those where you go, 
Uh, hey, put out a tweet. The fact that Lamar J- Jackson asked for a trade back at the beginning of March and it stayed quiet. Nothing stays quiet in the NFL. Not four weeks. That, to me, was amazing. And then I think when you're trying to get a message out there, what is the message you want to send? You know, does okay, so Lamar has public sentiment on his side. What does that mean? The Ravens don't feel like they have to do anything until somebody else does something. Now, do you have to give up two first-round picks, like a first-round pick this year? If you're on the non-exclusive franchise tag, do I have to give up two first-round picks? Could I negotiate something? Could the Ravens go, look, we'll take a one and a three, but you have to pay them? Yeah, Paul. I heard Mike Tannenbaum on ESPN, former GM. He was referencing, I, I'm trying to be more clear, that I think the team that has the player has the right to change their demands. They can't, you know, the, the tag says you've got to give up two firsts for a player, but they could be flexible if you want, if it would help the, the trade happen. That's what Mike Tandem said. He gave an example of a trade, but I'm, I'm checking. I thought it was required. You had to give up a first this year and a first next year. Or I, if it's after the draft, then you have to give up a first next year and then the year after that. Again, I, I'm looking at a few. Remember Ngakwe, the defensive lineman for the Jaguars? Yeah. He was tagged, then he got traded, and it wasn't for two first-round picks. And Same thing happened. Clowney got tagged and traded, and, and the compensation appears to be appears to be flexible if the team that tagged him is flexible. I go back to Kirk Cousins when he got that guaranteed contract. And I remember getting a call from a source who said, hey, by the way, Kirk Cousins is going to have the first guaranteed contract. And I go, why? And what was it, $84 million was guaranteed. And then I thought, okay, what's this mean for quarterbacks moving forward now? And... Is every quarterback going to get that guaranteed contract? Uh, Albert Breer is back with us. Albert, thanks for uh, having the patience here for us. Uh, let's go back to Lamar Jackson. You don't think that it, it was calculated. You think it was just coincidental. No, I think it was calculated. Oh, like, I mean, okay. I, I, I think, you know, Dan, if you're, if you're Lamar and you've been hearing for, you know, six weeks now how – you're stumbling around and you have no idea what you're doing and you need to hire an agent. Like if you have to hear all of that over and over and over again, how you're messing this whole thing up and blowing all of this money, like you might want to do something to send a message. Right. And you might want to do something that's cold and cunning and calculating like a team would do. Right. So like just to set the scene for you yesterday, um, it was about 7.45 a.m. local time that John Harbaugh sat down at his table with the media around him. And obviously, because of the situation, he's got a big crowd. I think it was about 90 seconds after that that Lamar Jackson uh, <laughs> sent that tweet out. And if you think about it, like the trade request didn't just go in. It went in over three weeks ago. So is it coincidental that it's happening in this one hour? Went, no. You know what I mean? It's a, like, like John Harbaugh was sitting there for actually not even an hour, a half hour with the media and 90 seconds into that half hour he hit send on the tweet so but what purpose does it serve though albert it sends a message i mean it makes like the whole thing is like you know i i feel like a lot in these situations the way teams make players uncomfortable is they sit there and do nothing and they say eventually you're going to squirm and eventually you're going to move it's a negotiating tactic so if they're trying to make you feel uncomfortable well, then it's on you to make them feel uncomfortable back, you know? And so I, I do think that this was an effort to turn up the heat. 
on on the Ravens by Lamar Jackson and his camp, and it's a very very small circle. Um, and I, I I actually look at it like that was probably a smart thing to do. Like from a negotiating standpoint, that's what a team would do to a player, right? Like they would do something yeah. to make the player feel uncomfortable if they felt like the player had the advantage in that situation. And so I guess after three months of there not being, you know, enough movement and, you know, we, we've all heard about what's happened over the last week with, you know, an advisor of Lamar's calling around to teams and I can verify that's happened. Um, you know, I, I think it just got to the point where Lamar felt like he had to do something to turn the heat up on the Ravens. It's, this, I think, was a pretty smart way to do it. Okay. Do you have to give up two first round picks? Is, is this negotiable? If let's say the Colts oh. go, we want Lamar Jackson. Uh, can we give you a first and a third and we're going to pay him whatever we're going to pay him? I mean, you could, if you want to talk to the Ravens, you could, you could go to the Ravens and ask for that. But if you do that before the draft, aren't the Ravens going to ask for the fourth pick? Sure. Like to me, like the smart move. And I, and I think the Colts are one of the teams in the top 10 that could consider this. And I'm, I think there are other teams that maybe should consider this that are in the top 10. Like who? There's no, there's no, like if you're, I mean, I, I know Atlanta's not going to do it, but should they consider it? They should look yes, at it. You know, absolutely. And here's the thing, right? Here's the thing, right? Like, if you're one of these teams, if you're Indianapolis, and you're saying to yourself, we want to go through the full process with the quarterbacks. And I can tell you for a fact, like, when Chicago called them about, you know, dealing the first pick and they had some discussion on it, the Colts weren't there on the quarterbacks yet. They weren't there with one of the quarterbacks yet. So, like, I think it stands to reason that they're not going to be comfortable with whoever falls to them at four. So if you're the Colts and you don't want to give up the fourth pick for Lamar, what do you do? What you can do is you could wait until after the draft. You could use the fourth pick on, I don't know, Will Anderson, you know, a great defensive player, and then get past the draft. And oh, but by the way, when you get past the draft, you're not talking about the fourth pick anymore. You're talking about a 2024 first round pick and a 2025 first round pick. And if you still think Lamar's a great player like he has been the first five years of his career, and you can find a way to stay to keep to keep him healthy. Like we could be talking about the 25th pick in the draft next year. You know what I mean? Like, so it's no longer the fourth pick. So I think that there are teams in the top 10 that are not comfortable with this group of quarterbacks, with the with the the, the four quarterbacks who are, you know, expected to go in the first round. And they really might not be comfortable with the quarterbacks that fall to them, wherever they're picking inside the top 10. So this could be an alternative where you can use your top 10 pick on another player if you're willing to wait. And then sign Lamar Jackson to an offer sheet after the draft where you wouldn't be spending this year's pick. You'd be spending picks over the next two years, which, you know, you'd figure if Lamar Jackson is on your team, yeah. it'd be a much lower pick than the one you have you have this year. What about the Patriots? It's a lot of fun, isn't it? But they're <laughs> yeah. irrelevant. I mean, they, they don't have anything there. there. There's no juice whatsoever. And Belichick's talking about what happened, tw- you know, the last 25 years. Hey, you know, moving forward. This guy never talks about what's in the rearview mirror. But if you want to keep here's up. Here's what I know. Okay. Well, here, here's, here's, what, here's what I know, Dan. Like, Bill has had opportunity after opportunity to, like, get Mac Jones's back over the last six months, going all the way back to the Bailey Zappi thing in October and the way that that thing blew up. He hasn't done it. Like, it's constantly been, you know, he, he hasn't declared him a starter. He, when he's asked about there being a competition between Jones and Zappi, he says, well, you know, like all things are sort of open. Every position is open. He He's had opportunity after opportunity to back Mac Jones, and he hasn't done it. And then the owner comes out and publicly speaks about Lamar Jackson yesterday and the whole Meek Mill thing and everything else. Like what I, like what I know about Bill is he 
loves players like this that like the reason he went and got Randy Moss is because you couldn't find another one of them. <laughs> and if you think about how Bill came up, that's what Lawrence Taylor was like. And if you've ever heard Bill and Dan, I'm sure you've heard Bill talk about Lawrence Taylor, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like he's talking about Michael Jordan when he discuss, like, like talks about who he was as a player and everything else. Lamar's sort of that way. Now, I'm not saying Lamar's Lawrence Taylor and like is going to go down with that sort of legacy. But when you're talking about just how unique he is and how different he is and how if you're Bill, you create so much stress in the opponent with this one player. Like, I think that that all appeals to him. And the idea of what he could do creatively, maybe in his last act as an NFL head coach, all of it lines up. Now, do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. But it's a fun idea. And it's one that like like you look at it like yesterday, again, this just like Bill had the opportunity and has had the opportunity to declare Mac Jones his starter over the last six months and didn't do it. He also had the chance and Robert Kraft did too, to shoot the Lamar Jackson thing out of the sky <laughs> yesterday. And neither of them did that either. He's Albert Breer, the senior NFL reporter, Monday morning quarterback. What did, what are the Packers saying here? What, what is Brian Gutekunst trying to tell us with Aaron Rodgers? I think that they're sick and tired of this whole thing. I mean, I think you can hear it in Gutekunst's voice. Um, you know, I like I, I had a feeling it might go this way and it would turn into Aaron says one thing happened, the Packers say another thing happened, and who knows where the you know, who knows what the truth is, but what it really reveals is how deep the wounds are here, right? Between the two sides. And I I go back to like what happened a couple of years ago. And and you remember the press conference when, you know, Aaron showed up um at the beginning of training camp, right? And he got up there and I, I think he went on like a 20 minute monologue and basically like detailed everything and like there were there was a, a lot of I would say dirty laundry aired there. Well, the Packers had no idea that was going to happen. The Packers thought that everything had been settled and okay, we're good, we're in lockstep, we're moving forward. And I know there were people in the Packers organization that were stunned when that went down. They swallowed it. Last year, what did they do for him? They said, "Okay, we're gonna, Aaron, we're gonna leave the light on for you. Take your time, make your decision, do everything you need to do, and we're here for you. We want you as our quarterback." You know, I just think that there's a fatigue there for the Packers on, like, like with bending over backwards over the last couple of years to accommodate him, and now even on the way out, like he does this, it's like his last act as a Packer is. Like, I, it feels like kind of pointing the finger back at the organization. Like, this is why this is happening. So, um, yeah, I think you see how deep the wounds are here. And, you know, I, I think Aaron actually probably could have made it easier on himself if he had just gone on McAfee a couple of weeks ago and said, you know what? And look, it's great content. I'm not telling anybody not to, t- to, to do what Aaron did, but because it's great for all of us. It's good for business. I'm sure for you guys too. But, um, you know, like I think like if Aaron's like singular goal was to get himself to the Jets, he could have said, look, I appreciate everything that Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur and um, and Mark Murphy have done for me over the last couple of years. It didn't work out, but I'll have great memories of it. And, and I think it's just time for everybody to move on. I think that this is the tone and tenor of this is a lot different. And I think that I actually think that he's probably on the Jets now. Um, and so I think cooler heads will eventually prevail. But. You know, I think part of this is, you know, the Packers sort of cleaning up everything, the, the, the mess of the last couple of weeks and then trying to get, you know, the best value they can for him. And I think you started to see yesterday them coming off their position just a little bit and saying, maybe we don't need to insist on a 13th overall pick. Most interesting possible rule change is what? 
the gambling one, I think, you know, and, and this isn't an on-field rule change, but the gambling one's really interesting to me. Um, for those who don't know, um, they're going to allow sports books and stadiums are voting on it. Um, they're going to allow sports books and stadiums um, to operate on game day, which, I mean, given that we can all do this on our phones now, it doesn't seem like a big deal. But if you had told me that there'd be a sports book and, you know, whatever, 20 NFL stadiums in 2023, 10 years ago, my jaw would have hit the floor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I think from a global perspective and just kind of the business of the game and everything else, that's probably the biggest rule change. Um, as far as the on-field stuff, I, I I think the continued elimination of the punt and kickoff is probably the biggest one. You know what I mean? Like, and I had Mike Westoff and, you know, Westy coached, uh, you know, he's back with the Broncos now, but his coach special teams in the league going back to like the mid 80s. He gave me this number that was just incredible. Um, he said that over his first 30 years in the NFL, there were an average of, I think it was 22 special teams plays, excluding extra points and field goals per game. He said by the time he got to his last year at the Saints, which I believe was 2018, that number was down to seven. So, you know, you think about like how that changes the way the game is played. That changes the way that rosters are made up, like the value of special teams players. I mean, think about this, Dan, like, how long? It wasn't that long ago that like some of the biggest stars in the game were kick returners, Dante Hall, Devin Hester. How many kick returners can you name right now? Cordero Patterson, I think. Right, right, and and Keyshawn uh, Nixon from the Packers is the other one. And I, I, I think I just learned his name last year. <laughs> you know what I mean? right <laughs> but how do we get rid of the punt? I well, I think that they're they're going to continue to. Uh, I would say incentivize fair catches. Um, and I, like their injury data is that, and this is all health and safety stuff, obviously, but their injury data shows that like there's a higher likelihood, you know, of high end collisions and injuries resulting from them on kickoffs and punts. Punts are a little more difficult, I would say, to eliminate. Um, you know, but I, I do think that that's, um, you know, I, I, I do think finding ways to incentivize um just non-returns I think is the way to is is, is the way that they're going to do it you know and then even like the onside kick you know and I don't think this rule proposal is going to pass but I'm sure you've seen it Philly's rule proposal yeah that in lieu of the onside kick I think you'd do like I think I think this year they proposed a fourth and 20 from the 20 which is a really interesting fun idea um but I just feel like it sort of bastardizes what football has always been so I know for a lot of the coaches that you know, are involved in these things is trying to strike the balance between prioritizing the health and safety part of it while also trying to preserve what the the makeup of the game is. And again, again, like, you know, these sorts of rules changes can affect who has jobs and who doesn't. You know what I mean? Like it can affect like how much a special teams coach makes. It can affect the bottom, you know, 13 guys in your roster. What do those guys look like? All those sorts of things are impacted by this. Okay. The most interesting lobby rumor, not story, <laughs> rumor. You got one? Um, yeah, I just trying to think. Lobby rumor. God, that's a tough one. See, I'm I'm trying to think of what I can share. <laughs> um, you know, I like I think I think the way the top of the draft shakes out um to me is really, really interesting now. And I would say I would say the divide between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and then Will Levis and Anthony Richardson is a little bigger than most people think when you're talking about like the general consensus of the NFL. And so I think Stroud and Young in some order go one and two. I think the other thing is like how special Young is as a player. Like you sort of hear that too. Um, but 
I think Stroud and Young go one, two in some order. And then I think it's sort of up in the air uh, because I do think that there are teams in the top 10 that aren't wild about this quarterback class. And again, like what makes it so interesting is the idea that some team in the top 10 could feel that way about the quarterback class and then turn around after the draft and roll the dice and sign Lamar Jackson to an offer sheet, even though there is the risk that the Ravens could just match and you wouldn't wind up with a player. I was looking for something more salacious than that. I'm just trying to think. I mean, I, how I about just make something up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, great, great to talk to you as always. Ask me, you know what, you know what, Dan, like next time I'm on, ask me and I'll have have had a chance to process everything and I'll, I'll, I'll have something better for you. You're such a a crappy, that was a crappy room. It it was, you're such a great journalist that you don't deal with rumor and innuendo. Well, I mean, there are a couple of things, but it's like, I can't really talk about that. I can't really. How about with no name? No name? No, Um, no team? Yeah, I would say um... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble. I don't want to. Um, get, I don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah, I would uh, just come back to me. Okay, uh, all right. <laughs> I thought about that when I thought about that. You put that on the table, I'm like, yeah, no, like no, no, blind, no, no, like no. Page, like, it'd be like a page six, like blind item or whatever. Oh, right? oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Tom Brady dating, is that what uh, you're talking about? Yeah, I, I uh, Tom Brady, Las Vegas Raider by the end of the year next year. We'll see. <laughs> Thank you, Albert. That's uh, right. Albert Breer, the Monday morning quarterback. I don't want to get him in trouble. He's such a nice guy. I'd like to get him in a little bit of trouble. Just a little. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hi, this is Jay Glazer, and you may know me from the world of football or fighting or even shows like HBO's Ballers. What you don't know is for my entire life, I have lived in something I refer to as the gray, depression, anxiety so now i'm coming out with a new podcast unbreakable a mental health podcast with jay glazer where each week while we talk about mental health i hope to describe it give it words listen to unbreakable with jay glazer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts all right everybody game off let's pause here to talk more about monopoly go i know what you're saying flag on the play you've already talked about that but there's just so much more good stuff in this game In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You can trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat. There was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too, is funny about a battleship. It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find that's not just a household item. Wow, you know I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you could also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. 
Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini-games, like digging for treasure or a robot Pachenko machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win, or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports, like a lot. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my live sports and docs in one app, like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey, and the National Women's Soccer League, both included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report sports add-on, or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. All in one app with one password. Prime Video. It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I can eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? Or I don't know. Take over a minute to down a two-liter. Well, if you have, then you're going to love Pick 6. It's the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Here's how you play it during the playoffs. Pick between two and six players and choose if they will have more or less of a stat. Rebounds, points, assists, and more. Also, you track your picks, play against others for a shot to win at some big cash prizes. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now. Use the promo code DPSHOW for a chance to win huge cash prizes. That's code DPSHOW. Only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18-PLUS in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. Got the updated odds from DraftKings. Odds to win the NCAA title. Connecticut is the prohibitive favorite. Anybody want to guess who has the second-best odds to win the men's NCAA tournament? Seton? Miami. Miami? San Diego State? Oh. Then Miami. Then Florida Atlantic. Yes. Yeah, I should have consulted Aaron because she has UConn beating San Diego State. Does she really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Nailed the odds, too, apparently. Yeah, she'll be. She's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That she is. Yeah. (laughs) All righty. We'll get a couple more phone calls in here. Oh, there he is. Matt Damon, big time. Former sexiest man of the year and uh, actor, film producer, of course, uh, Goodwill Hunting. He uh, plays Sonny Vaccaro in the new movie, Air, that hits theaters on Wednesday, April 5th. At what age did you get your first pair of Air Jordans? Uh, that's a good question. Late, late. Uh, I couldn't, I, I didn't really have the disposable income for them, uh, in high school when they came out. 
so I think I got, I would have got them after college, actually. I was uh, wondering, though, you grow up a Celtic fan. They wore Converse. And I don't know if you wouldn't have worn Air Jordans because Celtics, they didn't wear Air Jordans. No, he, he transcended the game. Those were definitely the hottest shoe. Like, you know, before that, it was, you know, Adidas and Puma and, you know, the the fat laces and, and all that kind of. That was very much what Ben and I in our in our high school, we went, you know, there was one school in our in our city. So there were 3000 kids. It was really like, you know, uh, a good kind of cultural touchstone for kind of what was going on, like what was the cool music, what was the cool. And, that, and I remember those shoes specifically just before the Jordans. And then the Jordans came and just changed everything. Were you an athlete? No, I was the first. I was in the first class to letter in theater. <laughs> I have varsity letter in theater. Do you that get a letter story. jacket for that? Uh, you know, you had to buy the jacket, but I got the letter, and it had the little face of comedy and tragedy on it. But, uh, but we had a great, great, great high school, and but again, it was a really big school. So, you know, for some context, you know, Cambridge, where I grew, where Ben and I grew up, was a basketball city. Like Pat Ewing uh, lived on my street, or I should say, I lived on Pat Street. Um, so. Ben and I weren't making that basketball team, obviously. You know, when we were there, it was Ramil Robinson, and uh, we'd win the state championship, it, we, we, or we were in it every year. What do you remember about Ewing on your block? Well, Pat, the first game I ever saw in the Boston Garden, I was 10, and that was Pat's senior year. Um, so he's, I guess, eight years older than me. So, uh, And I remember going to the Garden, and and I knew, you know, it was like, this guy was from my hometown. He lived at the end of my street. He was, uh, you know, he was a superstar already. And he, you know, that someday I was going to go to school where, you know, and so I was cheering with the high school kids. Um, uh, you know, it was really exciting. I just remember it being really exciting. And I, and I remember walking by him at like the River Festival down on Memorial Drive and just, you know, being all of four foot ten and walking by a <laughs> seven foot dude. It's like, it's like oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, how does this movie get, how does this script get to you? I got Ben, uh, sent it to me. He goes, Ben found it. I, I'm, you'd, you'd have to ask him how he found it. I'm not, I don't remember how he found it or how he came across it, but he said, I read this thing. He goes, it's great. He goes, we should do this. We can do it really quickly. You know, it's ready to go. And, um, and, uh, and I read it and it was, and I had that same, every time I picked this script up, I was stuck for, it's like when you bump into Goodfellas on TV. It's like, oh, well, I'm here for two hours. I gotta, I'm going to watch the rest of this. But the script felt like that. It was like, oh, it was just it was a page turner. And it was really exciting with all these characters. Really, it was a great, yeah, a great kind of ensemble group. To, you know, it was fun thinking about, all right, who are we going to get to fill out this cast? And the parts were all just terrific. Well, you talked about this after the screening in New York, that working with Viola Davis, it's like, this is easy. I mean, she's we're wrapped by 1030 in the morning and now we got to figure out what we're doing for lunch. She was she was that great as she plays Michael Jordan's mom. Yeah. Yeah. And that actually came from Michael. You know, Ben went to see him before, you know, before we got too uh, pregnant with the movie. We basically Ben said, well, I really need MJ's blessing. Like, I, I don't you know, we. We didn't want to do it. If he said, look, guys, this that's not how anything happened. Don't just just leave it alone. We we would have left it alone. Um, but actually what ended up happening was Ben went to 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 talk to him and 
he ended up getting Ben called me after I was in New York. I couldn't go down to Florida to see him. I, my kid had something that day. I can't remember, but I was waiting for Ben's call to see if we were going to go forward with this thing. Oh. And he goes, he goes, I got amazing news. He goes, I got great news and I got some bad news. I go, okay. And he goes, the great news is he goes, he, and he started to detail what Michael had told him. Michael was very specific about George Raveling being in the movie. Like that was where he first heard about Nike, who he heard it from. Uh, and Howard White, uh, you know, as as being these absolutely pivotal people in uh, at that time and and beyond, but uh, but specifically at that time. And then he he Ben was trying to get details about how everything went down. And 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 Michael talked about his mother, and he talked about his mother uh, in with such reverence, um, and uh, you know that it really was really moving for Ben and. And Ben started to realize how pivotal she was, like for him in this deal, in his life, and everything. And uh, and Ben said, "Okay, well, uh, all right." Well, so clearly he's thinking to himself, "Well, we're gonna re- we gotta we gotta rework, you know, we we gotta rework this script." But he goes, "Who should who should play your mom?" And and before he got the sentence out, Jordan was like Viola Davis, and he seems like absolutely like that's it. And so Ben said, "The so the great news." He goes, "I know exactly what we gotta do," <laughs> like. I have great direction for our rewrite. We have these two new characters to bring in, and we really need to expand Dolores Jordan and really make this hers. And I said, well, great. What's the bad news? He goes, we have to get Viola Davis. If we don't get Viola Davis, we can't do the movie. I was like, oh, okay. You know, and I was like, I think I said to him at that point, I was like, that's like having to get Michael Jordan on your basketball team. Like, you know, she's an American treasure. So, uh, but we rolled up our sleeves and really went to work on the rewrite and and uh, and tried to write her a part that was worthy of her, you know. And uh, and thankfully, she 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 agreed to do it. And I mean, as you saw, she's just I mean, she's just and it is that thing. I mean, I joke, but it's you know, I I'd show up for work and do you know a seven page scene with her. And when you do a seven page scene, normally in, in movies, a two page scene is a, is the longest you'll do. Uh, but I do a long, long scene with Viola and, you know, we'd be done by 1030 in the morning. And I've just been in one of the best scenes I've ever been in in my career. <laughs> and she's like, you know, we're like, what else are we going to do today? Like, I, I think that just happened. Like, um, it's really awesome working with somebody of that caliber. How important is it to meet the person that you're going to portray in the movie? It depends. You know, I've done it both ways where I've played someone and not met them and played someone and met them. Um, you know, you're never it's not an imitation and it's not. Um, what this movie really was trying to do was capture the spirit of these people. Right. It's uh, you know, we don't look like them. We're not uh, you know, we're not it's not about specifically who said what. And, I, you know, because 40 years later, everyone's got their own narrative of how exactly everything happened. And um, but I did speak with Sonny and 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 what was really interesting, um, because, you know, famously this, the, you know, after this whole landmark deal, I mean, this I mean, completely historic deal happened, um, you know, a, these relationships all frayed and fractured and, you know, kind of people got fired and people left and, you know, there was like sense of betrayal and acrimony and all this stuff. But what Sonny said was, look, this time that you're making this movie about was the most joyful time. You know, this was just 
He goes, we were the just great friends. And I think they all understand now. I mean, you know, Sonny and Phil, are, they're in their 80s and looking back like at what an amazing thing that they accomplished and and that all that stuff feels like it's kind of water under the bridge, at least when they kind of look back now. I think they it's not all jumbled together the way it might have been 30, 40 years ago. It's it's like they're very generous about each other, at least in my in the conversations I've had with them. It's not exactly De Niro and Raging Bull, but you did gain some weight here uh, playing Sonny Vaccaro. How did yeah. how how it's not stressful gaining weight; it's stressful losing weight. Yeah, no, exactly. I I can look at a pizza and gain twenty pounds. <laughs> That's easy. Uh, but I but Ben also had a, a bodysuit for me. He wanted to put a little extra heft on me, so so I I put on probably twenty and then put on a bodysuit on top of that to because there was really it was mostly just for this one for one joke in the in the movie uh, where Phil and I are having a conversation about running. And and we just like the idea that you know this guy worked at a running company, right? <laughs> and, and never and, ran. And never ran. And and uh, <laughs> you know the idea was so loathsome to him. Um, so it was really all for that kind of physical gag. We're talking to Matt Damon. The movie is Air. He portrays Sonny Vaccaro. Last time we had John, I think we got you in trouble in Boston. What did I do? <laughs> uh, you, oh God, Brady as a Buccaneer, and you were going to root for Brady in Tampa. I think you unapologetic. said unapologetic. I'm unapologetic. Oh, okay. About okay. It. Yeah. 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 I love that guy. I love that guy. It didn't mean I didn't root for the Pats. I've obviously watched the Pats and root for the Pats, but I just really cheer on, you know, had David Ortiz been traded to another team, I still would have kept an eye on him and cared about how he did. You know, when someone does that much for your team and your city, who's made you, you cry? You gotta be loyal. Who's made, What's you, that? who's made you cry with joy more Brady or your Red Sox? Well, the 2004 Red Sox, I, 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 I think I, I said this when it happened, when, when I drove back up to Boston for the parade and I remember running up to Boylston Street and by myself, because my dad, my brother, everybody, we were getting my nephews, we were getting everybody to gather to walk down to the river to watch the duck boats as they went in. But I sprinted up to Boylston Street to see, the, to see them as they came down that way by myself. And found myself outside like a shaman or some bank, just standing on the side of the road and crying <laughs> <laughs> out of gratitude for those guys. I love those guys that I mean, you know, and all the subsequent teams. But that but that first one was I can't even and I think people from Boston could tell you it was like it relieved a kind of psychic. It changed. It changed us at a fundamental level because, you know, my grandfather didn't see the Red Sox win. But Ever. it's like the Cubs, Matt. It changed the yeah. lovable losing Cubs, and it changed those fans. Like, it's weird that, that you almost embrace who you are, and then it's gone. And now, who are you? Yeah, but who we were were, were were not just people who lost, but people who came so heartbreakingly close and lost, right? Which was a painful state to live in, right? And so it did. And I agree. It changed. It changed. I prob I follow it less now. You know what I mean? I, 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 but I don't know that that's a bad thing. You know what I mean? I feel like I have a healthier, I don't know. It, it, it really, yeah. The story that I told myself, I was 34 when they won or 33. The story that I told myself for all those years was it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. So yeah, I mean, it did, it, 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 it brought me to tears for sure. 
I'll leave you with this. Could you see a scenario where you do what Cruz did for Top Gun with Jason Bourne, that maybe Jason Bourne is 60 and comes out of retirement or hiding? Yeah, I, I could certainly see. If we could if we could think up a good story, you know, it would um, – I, I would definitely do it. I love that character. I love – it's been – great to me and and uh I, I love the story so you know if there was if there was a way to do it i'm not i'm not against it it's nice to see you know the 60 year old tom doesn't look 60 by the way i don't know how old he is he's he looks like he's <laughs> and he's doing all of his own stunts i mean he ruins it for you guys i i don't even try i mean i i had dinner with him 15 or so years ago and i asked him about the one where he ran around the outside of the building you know and that mission impossible and he started the story by saying, the safety guy told me I couldn't do it. And I go, okay. And he goes, so I get another safety guy. <laughs> I'm like, you lost me already. <laughs> like, you win. You, you're, the, you're the king. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Congrats on the movie. Uh, enjoyed yeah, it. Always thanks. great to talk to you again. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Matt Damon. All right. He didn't poo-poo your script there. Born identity, bring it back. Maybe wait like seven more years, ten more years, come back, and then he could be his version, Jason Bourne's version of Maverick, a Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, Paul. Jason Bourne, back for one more payday. Yeah. yeah. Get right to it. I like that Tom Cruise didn't hear what he wanted to hear from the safety guy, so you just get another safety guy. It's like going yeah. to another doctor. <laughs> you know, LeBron went to uh, two doctors, said you should probably have surgery, so he just went to... Uh, the LeBron James of feet. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You could trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat, there was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the. I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what too is funny about a battleship? It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find that's not just a household item. Wow, you know I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you could also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini-games, like digging for treasure or a robot Pachenko machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win, or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. The utterly inspired all-electric EQE sedan from Mercedes-Benz. With hundreds of customizable comfort settings inside the cabin, it's the EV that recharges you. The vehicle is all-electric. The feeling is all Mercedes. Learn more at mbusa.com EQE.
Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.